in that time, it was like all my thoughts for my life, visions and dreams died. And I thought, I guess this is what I do the rest of my life. And I was at a meeting with some friends, a dinner, a friend of mine said, I'm going to India and I'm going for four to six weeks. And as she said this, this electric shock went through my body. And I went home and my spiritual mom said to me, why don't you move towards going and see if God opens or closes the door. And that week I started moving towards it. God gave me so many confirmations that I should go to India. It was so clear. Finally, I thought, I'll go in January, I'll go for one year. January of 97, had a tearful goodbye with my family at the airport, just crying. It was so strange. None of us knew what was really happening. Got off the plane, middle of the night, God spoke to my heart, still small voice, you're at home. I'm Monica Paiti Pamela, a nice Indian name. <laughs> I'm from Whitemouth, Manitoba, Canada small town there, and I'm living now in Vishakhapatnam, India. Well, thank you so much for having us here. Um, it's truly an honor. Monica, what is your testimony of Jesus? Well, Jesus touched my life at a very young age. I was seven years old. I was in revival meetings in our little Baptist church, and I heard the gospel so clear that night. The preacher was saying, you know, you're a sinner, you need Jesus. Jesus will cleanse your sins and forgive you of all your sins. And even though I was only seven, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was not light and I was unclean. And it, it just gripped me and I went to the front, knelt down and gave my life to Jesus, prayed the sinner's prayer. And as soon as I stood up, I felt like a new person. I felt like I could fly. I was clean, and I right away said, Jesus, I want to serve you with all my life. And that was the beginning of my journey with Jesus, and I just wanted to obey Him. And the next step with that was getting baptized. So when I was 10, I got baptized in our Baptist church, and just out of obedience to God, I wanted to follow Him. That was the next step. Very soon after that, I just felt a calling for missions. I can't say specifically what it was, but I went to Bible camp every summer for one week, and there, there was a lot of missionaries sharing their stories in Africa of what they were going through. And I know through that, God used that just to touch my heart and show me, or just give me a desire to be a missionary. So one day, when I was 12, I told my mom, I'm going to be a missionary someday. And I remember a tear running down her cheek as I looked up at her, and that was the beginning of my journey of God preparing me to um, live in India, where I've been now for 26 years. Now, for your parents, obviously that was a, a, a touching moment, but why, why was that such a impactful moment for your parents, and how did they feel as their little girl is telling them, I want to be a missionary, do you have insight as to what was going through through their mind or what they were feeling? So my mom's tear later, she shared with me that she wanted to be a missionary. And many times she had begged my dad, let's sell the farm, let's leave everything, let's go and be missionaries. And my dad was not willing or able to do that. He wanted to support our family. And so when I shared that with my mom, it was like she knew 
you know, God had given me to her to fulfill her heart's desire. And before I was born, she expected a boy, not a girl. Uh, every time she had girls, she had very difficult labors and deliveries. So she, my sister was the eldest, very difficult, then a boy, then a girl, very difficult and stillborn, and then two boys. And then my mom prayed for one more girl. And she got pregnant with me, and it was such a easy pregnancy, such an easy labor. She knew it was a boy. Mm. <laughs> and when I came out and they told her it's a girl, she said, check again. It's got to be a boy. She was shocked. But the Lord told her before I was born, watch and see the wonderful things I will do. Mm. And yeah, that's how God gave me to my parents for His purposes. And really, I see the fulfillment of my mom's desire to be a missionary, to serve the Lord with her life. And she couldn't do it, but I've had the privilege of doing it. And my mom passed away in July, and we found a little book booklet of hers. We never knew it existed. and. My mom wrote, when I told her that God called me to India, God called me to be a missionary here, she was really struggling, actually, because as the youngest of five kids, she thought she would never see me again. She didn't know anything about India, and she thought, that's, that's it, I won't see my daughter anymore. And she was really crying out to the Lord. And God spoke to her. God touched her at that time very deeply. So she wrote in this little book, in German, God touched me in a wonderful way on May 10th, 1997, through His Holy Spirit, so that I could commit Monica completely to Him to be on the mission field as a missionary, which was my desire when I was young. So she was deeply touched. God spoke to her, just like David wanted to build the temple. but. It was for Solomon to build. My mom wanted to be the missionary, but it was for me to, to fulfill that. That's what God spoke to her, and that gave her peace to really release me to follow God's call on my life to be a missionary to India. And she never, all these years, tried to hold me back. God gave her grace so that I could see her every year, my parents, my family, every year. She thought she wouldn't see me, and God you know, gave grace for that. And God um, just used her, her prayers. He kept her till she was almost 89 to be like a prayer backing for me as a missionary. And I'm so thankful. He gave her grace and He gave me grace to be a missionary all these years here in India. Wow. Monica, could you tell us about that or just your testimony with missions? Um, how did that happen? How did the Lord begin to take you on this journey uh, to become a missionary? Well, as we know, even though God has a plan and purpose for our life, the enemy always wants to distract from that and keep us from that and use different things to, to destroy God's call on our life. And so growing up as a teenager, at all my growing up years, I was very shy. I was very quiet. And I became very fearful, very lonely. And in my teenage years especially, just that, that deep feeling of loneliness and insecurity and 
not feeling worthwhile, not feeling any purpose for life. And then even uh, coming to the point of being bitter, you know, unforgiveness and bitterness. And for my, in my life, feeling like my dad didn't do me justice to be the dad I expected him to be. I put up a high standard. He didn't reach that. I became bitter towards him. And, but God brought me to the point where I could forgive him of my expectations. It wasn't anything he did or didn't do. It was my expectations that he didn't live up to. I was able to forgive him from my heart and release him, you know, to be the, the dad he could be. And as a farmer, he was busy. He was struggling as a farmer. So it was hard for him to, to be a dad sometimes to us kids. But, uh, you know, God really changed that relationship over the years, healed it from my heart and blessed it so much. I'm so thankful for my parents, my dad. But that bitterness darkened my life for many years. And it was like such a burden on my shoulders and uh, really brought in like the enemy, allowed the enemy to come in darkness in my life for many years. So after high school, I just really struggled and even became depressed. I came under depression and a darkness and I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know what was the next step for me. A half a year later, I was still floundering and suddenly God just moved in and within 10 days, I was in Bible school. Just like that, I somebody said, I think you should go to Bible school. Gave me an application. I filled it out. I was in Bible school. God just started moving preparing me for what he had for me. When I went to Bible school, the first people God brought into my life were people with mission hearts, hearts for missions, hearts for the nations, hearts for people groups. And everybody in my two and a half years of Bible school, every friend God gave me had a heart for missions. And I struggled with that. I was like, I don't have that. What is wrong with me? I feel a call for missions, but I have no clue where or who, to who or what. And over the years, it was actually six years of God preparing me for India. Right after Bible school, desiring also to get married, I prayed. And actually, I came across a I heard a cassette tape of Ravi Zacharias talking about courtship. And in it, he talked about how parents should involve and the guy should go to the parents and ask permission and all this. And I just thought, okay, that's interesting and different. But out of that, I also read the Isaac and Rebecca story, how God brought Rebecca to Isaac. And when he, when she saw him, she knew that was her husband. So right after Bible school, I started praying that way. Lord, arrange my marriage. I never heard of arranged marriages. I don't know why I pray that. India has arranged marriages, which is where I ended up. But I said, God, arrange my marriage. Show me clearly who you want me to marry. I want to know that I know that I know that's the person. And I really committed that to the Lord. And I said, I'm not dating anymore. I will wait until you show me who my husband is. So that began this six year journey of waiting for God to show me who my husband was. And also I was waiting to show for God to show me what he had for my life, where he wanted me to go. 
I, I didn't have any aspirations, really. I didn't want to settle down and have a career. I just knew I wanted to go, but I had no idea where to go. So in these six years, God took me on a journey of doing different things, different ministry-oriented things, missions. I went to Malaysia. I went with Youth with a Mission. I did day camps in northern Manitoba to the Indian children, at like summer camps. I did different things. I did a computer training and all of it, looking back, was all God preparing me for what He had for me. So it was really a journey, but still there was no clarity where I should go, what I should do. Kept praying and just waiting and God was working on my heart. God was preparing me. God was teaching me many things. He was healing my heart of different things and uh, breaking bondages off my life. And I prayed, God, I, I don't want to enter marriage with bondage. And, you know, God was working on me and setting me free from different things. So that was the journey I was on for around six years. Hmm. Did you ever uh, deal with uh, just impatience and and wanting to do things your like your own way you know 6 years is a is it's quite a long time did you ever deal with that for just for people even listening that maybe are in that space yes waiting is one of the hardest things to do and when i was waiting especially for marriage and i thought maybe this person maybe this person i was trying to help god sometimes and at one point god gave me a saying not a Bible verse, but a saying, He gives His very best to those who leave the choice to Him. And when I read that, I knew, you know, wait for God's best. Don't try to make something happen. And I had my failures along the way, but God really helped me to see that if we wait, He can give us the best. And whenever I got impatient, whenever I struggled like with the why, why is nothing happening? Why? Why is nothing clear? Why does it seem like God is not moving in my life? God would give me the verse, I believe it's from Psalm 37. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And that's what I felt God wanted me to do. Just be faithful where I was at. Whether it was doing odd jobs, working in a store, doing desk jobs, going on missions, the different things I was doing, which none felt like it was really what I wanted to be doing, it was dwell there, be there, be faithful, mm. which is a, a tension. You're always in a tension, but just, yeah, trying to be faithful where I was at. God gave me grace to do that. Now, Monica, some people may, a lot of people may not know that are watching that you and your husband now are leading one of the biggest ministries in, in, in India. And I've gotten a pleasure to kind of see some of the things that you are, you guys are doing and it's completely amazing. So after that waiting season, how did you get from waiting for, uh, the Lord to kind of bring you your husband to now this point that you're at? How, how did that happen? So after I had done a lot of varieties of things, I had this computer training, very intensive computer training, and through that they would get you a job. So I got a job, and it was like God was saying, settle down and be faithful. And that's where I felt like I was doing the least, the last thing I ever wanted to do. And in that time, it was like all my 
thoughts for my life, visions and dreams died. And I thought, I guess this is what I do the rest of my life. And I was at a meeting with some friends, a dinner, and a friend of mine said, I'm going to India and I'm going for four to six weeks. And as she said this, this electric shock went through my body. And I thought, my mind said, I want to go to India. And I thought, no, that's just your own desire again to go somewhere, to do something. You're, you're, you're settled. You need to wait. You need to stay. And then I also thought, I don't know any organizations in India where you can go long term and I don't have the money to go. So I thought, this must not be God. It's just my own desire. And I left it. And then I, I had been living with my spiritual parents and five other girls living with them, young ladies living with this couple and being mentored spiritually. So I went to the service this evening where this Indian missionary was speaking. He gave a powerful message. Many people were on the floor, on their faces, at the altar call. And then afterwards, my spiritual parents invited him over for dinner to their home the next evening. And I came home. I didn't know that he was going to be there. I came home from work and there was this Indian missionary at the table sharing all about love and care ministries in India. And so I joined the meal and he was sharing all about it. And then he said to us, all us girls sitting there, he said, if any of you want to come to India and serve with Love and Care Ministries, you can come six months or a year or as long as you want. You can help in the children homes, you can teach in the school, and you can buy just a one-way ticket. And while you're with us, we'll take care of your food and accommodations. And I remembered my thoughts just a week or so before. I don't know any opportunity in India long term, and I don't have the money to go. And I remember thinking, I could buy a return ticket, and I, I could go to India. I have enough money for that. That was the beginning of a little journey, three months of God just kept bringing this to my heart. I would think, I want to go to India. And then again, I would reason, say, no, it's just your own desire. I want to go to India. No, it's just your own desire. And then I went to a missions conference by Jackie Pullinger in Winnipeg. She's a missionary in Hong Kong. And she was gave very powerful message and said, all of us must go because Jesus left his home in heaven and he went. So all of us must go. And I sat there thinking, Lord, how many times have I said, I will go. Every altar call, I would say, here I am. Send me, Lord. Teenager in my 20s, I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just show me. At this conference, hearing these words, everyone should go. I was, I became angry with the Lord. I said, Lord, I've been saying I want to go. You're not sending me. And I went home and my spiritual mom said to me, why don't you move towards going? and see if God opens or closes the door. And that week, I started moving towards it. God gave me so many confirmations that I should go to India. It was so clear. And finally, I thought, I'll go in January. I'll go for one year. Because at that time, you could only get a one-year visa. I was ready to do that, but I needed to speak with this Indian missionary who had come to Canada. Uh, the leader of Love and Care Ministries. So I found his business card. I called him up and in India 
And I said, you know, I met you in Winnipeg and I feel like God is calling me to come to your ministry and serve. And he said, come in January and come for one year. And that was the final confirmation I needed. That was November of 96. January of 97, had a tearful goodbye with my family at the airport, just crying. It was so strange. None of us knew what was really happening, but God knew, and it was a send-off. And I came, flew to India all alone, got off the plane, middle of the night, dark. God spoke to my heart, still small voice, you're at home. First time God ever spoke in that still small voice. It was so clear you're at home. I was so excited to be on the foreign mission field. I had waited so long for this. I was thrilled that God was finally showing me where he had for me. And I thought, I'll spend three years in India. I'll give my three years to India and I'll go back to Canada and see what else God has for my life. So I came over to Vishakapatnam to the ministry here and uh, the first days was like I was I was just jumping for joy to just be here to see what God had for me. And within a few days, it was just becoming clear this is this was I felt so at home here. It was a busy time in the ministry when I got here. We were traveling from city to city. We went to six major cities in four weeks, wow. doing four crusades four nights of crusades in each city, and every day we would go to the villages to share the gospel. 30 foreigners doing this, going to the villages to share the gospel. It was such a powerful time. And in these three weeks, just God was working in my heart and helping me feel just so at home here. And then Yesupadam, who was the Indian missionary in Canada, the leader, founder, and director, and leader of Love and Care Ministries. He founded it in 1990. I came here January of 97. I saw him here, and I heard him share the vision of the ministry and what God had called them to, to go to the unreached people, make disciples of all nations, reach the unreached, share the gospel, care for the poor, the underprivileged, you know, go where where nobody has heard the gospel before, to the tribal people. All these things I heard him share and I I found out after getting here that his first wife had passed away with cancer in 94 and he had two grown children. They were in their early 20s, they're studying and I found that out and I was just became part of the team that was traveling. I was the only Canadian and many Americans and Koreans, South Koreans that were here. And we were traveling from city to city for four weeks. And three weeks down the road, um, I just had a conversation with Yesupanam and listening to him share about the ministry. And this God put this burden on my shoulders to pray for him. And it was so strong. I felt like Literally, I was carrying the burden he was carrying for the ministry, for the work here in India. And for three days I had that burden. I began to really pray for him. And I began to pray for a wife for him in that time, in these three days. It was very strange, but I was just praying, really crying out for him. And on the third day of this burden, we were at a crusade meeting, a night meeting, sharing the gospel, he, uh, he gave the altar call 
an American pastor gave the message. Yesupam gave the altar call. That night I was so burdened for him. And then suddenly the burden lifted. It was like it was gone and I was free. And then he asked all of us, Yesupam asked all of us foreigners to go in the crowd and pray for the people who had not come forward for the altar call. So I went out there. I looked back towards the stage where he was, where he was speaking. And again, this still small voice, he is your husband. And this incredible peace and joy filled my heart. It was nothing I'd ever experienced before. Dating, I always had so much fear, so much struggle. Is this God? I knew marriage was the most important decision other than being saved in my life. And I didn't think I could make that decision on my own. And I was struggling so much with fear and, and worry. And this time God spoke to me, he's your husband. I had complete peace. And the joy was, it was like my life made sense. I understood what I had been prepared for. Not fully at that moment, everything I had gone through was preparation for that, but, but just like I knew this is what God had for me. This is what I had been waiting for. This is why he had me pray the way I prayed, that he'd arrange my marriage, that he would show me clearly who to marry. All these things just made sense and I was just overjoyed. I was thrilled. But of course, I only knew that. He didn't know that he was my husband. And another thing that just thrilled me was that this was so unnatural. I knew right away, this is not your typical thing to do in life on this earth, the way man looks at things. But I know with God, things are not natural. They're supernatural. They're different. The normal Christian life is different than what many people think it is. And so I, I just felt so privileged that God would choose me for something so unnatural. That night I, I was just excited. And then I thought, how should he know that he's my husband? The next day we started traveling back to our city. It was like a 12 hour drive, many vehicles, a convoy of vehicles driving back to Vishakapatnam. And we ended up, Yesupam and I ended up in the same vehicle around seven in the morning, we're driving along. And then I started praying, Lord, what do I do? Do I tell him? Because I grew up, a woman should never tell the man, God told me you're my husband and all this. So I was leery of that. But I was praying, Lord, what do I do? Do I speak to him? Do I tell him this? And suddenly we had a flat tire in the middle of nowhere, right beside a hut, one hut, middle of nowhere. Him and I ended up staying at the side of the road by this hut while everybody left with the vehicle to fix the flat tire, to fix the spare tire. And so we ended up sitting there by this hut and I knew God wanted me to tell him. And I said, I need to tell you something. Last night, God spoke to me that you're my husband. And I wasn't looking at his face. We were sitting side by side, but he took a moment. And then his next words were, let's go sit on the other side of the cot we we're sitting on because I want to see the vehicle coming back. So he bought a little time and then we began to share our lives and he shared his life and different things. And it was just amazing 
seeing how God clearly led us together. After his first wife passed away from cancer, he didn't want to marry again. They'd been married 21 years. After around a year, other leaders started coming to him and saying, you need to marry again. It's not good for men to be alone. They were using Bible verses on him and it's not good for men to be alone. You need a wife as a leader of a ministry and putting pressure on him. And he said, no, I don't want to marry again. I want to be alone with Jesus the rest of my life. And they put more pressure on him. So he prayed a prayer he thought God couldn't answer because maybe some prayers are impossible for God. I don't know. But he prayed a prayer he thought God could not answer or wouldn't answer. And he said, if I should marry again, she should be white-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and come and ask me. So when I told him God spoke to me, he realized I was the answer to this prayer that he didn't want answered. But in time, he realized it was God's grace, God's provision to bring us together for greater purposes, especially for the international part of the ministry. Uh, he had been traveling many years, but I could then go along with him, travel to the nations, work together uh, in the nations. So that's how God brought us together. And yeah. Now, Monica, if we can just kind of sum up what you have seen in these how long have you been married now? 20, almost 25 years. 25 years. 26 years in India. Wow. So if, if we can sum up even like these, these 26 years, mm -hmm. you cried out to God wanting to be a missionary. You end up marrying uh, an Indian missionary. You're in India. What have you seen God do uh, these last 26 years as you've fully surrendered to the call of, of being a missionary, being a wife, and leading love and care uh, ministries with Yesupadam? It's been an incredible 26 years in India, 25 years of marriage, two beautiful children together, Bethany and Benjamin, and my husband has two children from his first marriage. We have five grandkids. It's been an incredible journey here. I would be the last person to say that it's easy. Just because we follow God's call and we're in the center of His will does not mean it is easy. It's a battle all the time. It's not easy. But the things I've experienced, the things God has brought us through, the things I've seen with my own eyes, have been worth every sacrifice, every sacrifice for Jesus. The scripture God gave me at the beginning is those who leave everything, leave father and mother and children and lands and farms and everything for my sake will receive a hundredfold. And with that, persecution and eternal life. And I've seen that God, I've seen God do that in my life abundantly giving back everything I left. And then I watched India transformed with the gospel. When I came, there was so much darkness. The oppression here was so strong. It was, it was almost literal because idolatry is, is a curse. Idolatry brings oppression. And I felt that many years. I It was such a battle. I, I sometimes felt I was drowning under the oppressive battle spiritually here because I wasn't used to that in Canada. I wasn't, I didn't know how to really deal with it. 
but God showed me over time and the prayers of the people, the backing prayers of the people really helped us over the years to make an impact in this nation. And I saw such a transformation here. There were huts not far from where we live. Every village was huts, no roads, no running water, no facilities, no electricity. We shared the gospel village to village, door to door for years and years through our state, through other states. And I tell you, every place we went with the gospel to this day is such a blessed place. The government came in, we planted churches, but then the government came in, built houses for the people, built roads, brought electricity, brought uh, running water, brought the facilities. We started schools, or we have schools in the different places. Like everywhere the gospel went, there was transformation. That doesn't just happen without the gospel. And so I watched India being transformed with the gospel in such a powerful way because the gospel brings light and life and beauty and, and goodness. And so everywhere we went, God blessed the place, blessed the people, changed lives. So many millions of people being saved through our ministry, through other ministries. And it's amazing what God has done in India, what I've watched Him do, not just in India, in all the other nations also where we've started branches, where we've shared the gospel. It's amazing what God has done. Hmm. Now, uh, Monica, for people who don't know, you mentioned uh, schools. If you could just very briefly um, go over just some of even the things that uh, in these last 26 years, the ministry love and care has established in India through sharing the gospel. What are what are some other things that you guys have done um, through just sharing the gospel and, and being led by God in India? So just sharing the gospel, like my husband felt that's that's not enough. We need to show people Jesus loves them. So we took medical teams to the villages to care for the physical needs of the people, praying for the sick caring for them medically, helping them with surgeries. You know, wherever we went with medical teams, we could plant churches. You know, people need to experience the love of Jesus, not just hear it. We started schools in many villages. We started children homes, taking the children who had no parents or one parent who would never go to school in their life, bringing them into our home and providing education, medical care, everything, clothing, everything they need freely. And then we started a disabled vocational training center. Polio was huge in India for many years. So many polio affected young adults that are considered as the worst, the lowest in society really cast away. So we were able to take these young adults, train them in computers, in printing press, and in tailoring, sewing, and then give them a sewing machine, give them an iron box to start uh, their own businesses, give them a computer, give them a bicycle so they can get around, a tricycle, different things so they could come up in life. Many of these disabled, we've trained hundreds of them, have started their own businesses, gotten jobs because wow. they were educated. Their lives were changed. They were able now to be a blessing to the society. And then we have a nursing school 
to train nursing students, not just from our state, but from all over India. Nursing students come to our nursing school, Christian nursing school, and these are not Christians, so they come to us, they hear the gospel, they get baptized. That's a way to reach the nation of India. Now we are planning to start a 100-bedded hospital, multifaceted hospital, to reach the needy people, especially the tribal people. They don't have hospitals. They have to walk, carry patients miles and miles in order to get some kind of health care, but not even at a hospital. And we want to start a hospital that will cater to their needs with a helicopter to bring these patients in to help them. Our heart is really for the tribal people, the unreached people, to care for them. So these are some of the things we do through Love and Care Ministries to show them the love of Jesus, not just tell them, to show them the love of Jesus. Monica, for people who are watching your testimony right now, and even for, uh, not to put an age, but let's say, let's just say whoever is watching and feels that calling to go to, uh, uh, to the nations, to be a missionary, and maybe is in that awaiting season where they just feel like God is just not, it's just the doors are not opening, things are not happening, and they're getting discouraged. What can you say to that person who has that burning desire to go to the nations and, and serve? What can you tell them as a word of encouragement? When God has a plan and purpose for our life, He will show us, He will work it out, He will lead us to that. Our responsibility is stay connected to the Lord and do the next thing He tells us to do and do it faithfully. You know, He, he is preparing us. He's helping us get to the place He wants us to go. We don't need to rush it. We don't need to go and do something just for the sake of doing something. But wait on the Lord and be obedient to what He has for us now. Be faithful to what he, He's asked us to do now. Sometimes we don't even know it's Him who's telling us to do it. But when we have an opportunity before us and we move towards us, when it opens up, we can be in that place and trust God is moving there. And every opportunity that opens, just walking towards it. And God is leading us towards what He has. We can keep waiting and trusting God will take us where He wants us to go. And the preparation time is very, very important to take us to where He has for us. And if He called us, he was, He'll be faithful to fulfill it. He'll show us the way. He'll speak clearly when He wants to, when He needs to speak to us clearly. For the people who are in that waiting season when it comes to even marriage, uh, a lot of times we can rush and sometimes people get discouraged in the waiting season. And what can you say to those who are watching who have that desire to be married uh, and to serve God in, in a marriage? What can you tell them watching right now? When it comes to marriage, more important than marriage is that our life is completely surrendered to the Lord. That's the starting point. So if we've completely surrendered to the Lord to do whatever He wants us to do, we can trust Him to lead us to who He has for our life and who He wants us to be with and to serve the Lord with. You know, wherever we are, we, we are serving the Lord and marriage is, is a part of that. So being faithful in the waiting period, trusting God, not having our own ideas of what our marriage should look like, 
not having a list of our wants and wishes, but really letting God lead us, whatever He has for us. I wanted a tall, blonde cowboy. God didn't give me that, but He gave me His best. He says He gives His very best if we leave the choice to Him. So just trusting God, waiting on Him, following Him with all our life, and He'll give us the best. Monica, who is Jesus to you? Without Jesus, I wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be alive. Even though I was saved when I was seven, cleansed, there was a time in my life I felt like God wasn't there. That's when I wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I can't live without Him. I wouldn't be anything without Jesus. And it doesn't mean life is easy. No, even life with Jesus, is, is, it's a battle, but Jesus is everything. He saved my soul. He cleansed me, forgave me, has taken me on a journey of a lifetime. I'm so thankful for Him and for, for God in my life. What would I be without Him? Monica, for those who are watching your testimony, uh, do you have any last words? One thing I know from my life is God is faithful. Even when we are not faithful, I didn't live my life perfectly or do everything right, and that's why I'm on the mission field, or that's why I'm in full-time ministry. God chose the, the most foolish, the most unwise, the most insecure, the, the, the most nothing. God chose me as nothing. God chooses the things that are not to make them something. So it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our failures. It doesn't matter our past. It doesn't matter our mistakes. We can be cleansed. We can be free from them. And God can take us on a journey for His glory. It's for His glory. It's not about us. And so surrendering our life to Him, letting Him lead us and guide us, take us wherever He wants to take us, do whatever He wants to do through our lives, is the most amazing thing we can do while we live on this earth.